is the 90 Plus Podcast. With your host, Ben Rigetti and Sebastian Pereira. Welcome to episode 11 of the 90 Plus Podcast. Myself, Ben Rigetti. As always, joined by my wonderful co-host, Sebastian Pereira, bringing you all the latest news about everything surrounding the Vancouver Whitecaps. And we do have a fair bit to talk about. We're only a few days away from the Whitecaps kicking off their first game of the MLS's back tournament against San Jose. That's going to be on Wednesday night, so just over 48 hours away. And we're going to be having a bit of a preview with that later on in the episode. We're also going to be talking a bit more just about the tournament in general. And then as well, there are a few press conferences today from some players and coaches that myself and Sebastian attended via Zoom. So we're going to dive into what each person said and break down some of that. But before we do, I will let me introduce, again, my wonderful co-host, Sebastian. Sebastian, episode 11. Welcome. Yeah, it's great. Um, we've, we've been at it for quite a while now. Uh, it's crazy to think that it's episode 11 now. Again, we want to thank the, the fans for uh, all their support and just listening to us talking to Mike's for, for the last little months here. Um, but yeah, we, we got into it today. There was quite a bunch of press today, a lot of media stuff today that we, we were able to cover. It was a bit of a surprise that there wasn't as many people as we thought there'd be, but uh, we were able to get the, the latest on some, some stuff heading into the San Jose game. So we're just going to dive in, as Ben said, and, mm-hmm. and preview the game, try and talk about some of the things we learned today and, you know, Doesn't that type matter. of stuff. So just before we do hop into what we heard in the press conferences today, we were just going to, myself and Sebastian, we were talking earlier about the kind of coverage and how much we want to do and what we kind of want to do throughout the MLS's back tournament. So uh, I think what we kind of decided on was, so we're having obviously this podcast before the San Jose game with a bit of a more in-depth preview. And then on game day, about an hour before, we're going to have our sort of like last like one minute sort of preview and like our roster reactions and that sort of stuff so we're going to be putting that up on twitter only on twitter not on soundcloud or spotify and then following that game uh we're going to have a podcast sort of reacting to that game and then having a bit of a preview of the seattle game and then same sort of thing from there we'll have a roster reactions and then maybe a quick another like two minute thing after the game before we really dive into it on the podcast looking at the Seattle game and previewing the Chicago game. And then obviously if they make it onto the knockout stages or whatever, we'll go from there, but it was probably going to be the same sort of format. Again, myself and Sebastian, we're both writers for a couple of websites, Sebastian at world football index, myself at last word on soccer. So if you want more coverage on the games and the white caps, you can check us out on there as well as our Twitters. I'm at Rigetti Ben Sebastian's at Sebastian P 74 and if you're on Twitter, give the podcast a follow at 90 plus podcast. So I think now that, you know, we've got the basics out of the way, I guess you can sort of dive in Sebastian to what we got up to this morning and the early one, uh, Christian Dahomey, uh, yeah, you, you attended that one, you were in there and you asked a couple of questions. So want to run us through what you were talking about with Dahomey. Yeah, no, I talked to Christian um, today and of course it's, Difficult for him not having Freddie Montero there with him, someone who he's built a great relationship with, someone who he's connected very well with. They're both obviously from Colombia. Um, and Freddie has been helping 
to home a lot ever since he made the move here to Vancouver. So um, it was tough for him to, to not have Montero here, but um, in terms of the tournament itself, uh, he says he's ready. He He's just basically ready to show what he's capable of. Of course, we haven't really seen too much of him. We've seen little sparks here and there from Dahomey, but not really what we expected. Um, hopefully he shows us like a little bit more of um, play down the wing, trying to cross it into the area and, and so forth. Um, but he all, I also asked him about much more important circumstance surrounding the the Black Lives Matter movement and how it felt for him to be a part of the um, – I wouldn't say it's a protest what happened last Wednesday. It was more of like a display, you know, like the, the thing that happened before um, the Orlando versus Miami game. And Christian said he was very, very thankful to be a part of that. Um, he, he only hopes to – to be able to be part of more of those. And hopefully there's a lot more of that. Obviously there's some things that are bigger than, than uh, soccer as we saw during that game of uh, inter Miami and Orlando, especially given the, the circumstances that happened after the game where a journalist from Babel uh, USA, uh, a journalist organization down in the U S they actually fired someone for making racist remarks during the game on Twitter. So um, obviously there's things bigger than soccer and we can only hope that there's, there's better and I guess not better, but more, more to come really from major league soccer from the black players coalition of major league soccer as well um, to maybe have more events like this um, because it is something we have to talk about right then. It is absolutely. And I know that uh, about two weeks ago, there was a media session with Mark DeSantos and uh, a couple of other players as well. I can't remember who the players were, but I know for sure MDS said something about they're planning something for their first game, which obviously is Wednesday, against San Jose. So I'm not sure if it's going to be anything sort of like similar to what we've seen before or if, it's, uh, if there's going to be any extra displays or what. But I know that they said that this is obviously a matter that obviously the whole league is taking seriously and Vancouver is you know no different from that and that they've got something up their sleeves. I know that uh, the captain's armbands, I, I really like this kind of motion that they they have all uh, the names of uh, uh, Black Lives Matter sort of victims, I guess. They have all sorts of their names all along the captain's armband and they, all the teams so far have had that, which I really like and it's a good sort of motion. But like you said, I mean, it's there, there always can be more and especially this tournament where it's the first main, like main sort of American and Canadian sporting league back in action. And again, I'm not counting NASCAR or golf. Like MLS is the first kind of major league back in action. And for them to come out straight away, that first game, like you said, against Miami and Orlando to have that sort of uh, that movement and that, uh, you know, that showing of kind of community and unity before the game, it really kind of grabbed a lot of headlines. And I know that the average uh, the the viewers that they gained on that on that first Miami versus Orlando game was a lot higher than I think they both expected, and obviously most games during just the regular season it was uh, high high numbers for an MLS regular season game. So I'm glad that in that game with a lot of eyes focusing on the MLS and focusing on them those two teams, the MLS said, you know what, we take this very seriously, and as the first kind of league back, we're going to use our platform with all like the nation and Canada and everyone else's eyes on us. We're going to use that 
to display this message of something that we view so important and we're going to work hard in the future to kind of monitor, keep on top of, and really kind of promote these sort of ideas that this campaign has brought along the last couple of months. Yeah, of course. Um, and that goes for everyone as well, too. Like, um, of course, Christian said he was very proud to be a part of it, but also MDS said last week that um, that all the players involved, it was Tahome, of course, there was Theo Bear, Leo Owusu, um, Johnny Obikel and Jordi Reyna were part of that. Um, and he said it was great to see – Mark, Mark DeSanto said it was great to see his players out there doing the right thing, honestly, um, and really showing support for it. And, of course, he supports the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and, of course, there's, there's things bigger than football, um, and hopefully we can, we can find a solution for this. Um, um, but, yeah, it, it was great to see – uh, such a display of course it's great that the viewing numbers were also high in that so it gains traction I don't think I've seen a bigger I guess sports-led event in terms of like yeah. like if you know what I mean Ben like if yeah it's it, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to call it a protest because it's not it's not I, a, a protest. showing a showing it's a showing yeah, yeah it's mm-hmm. um and I, I know the play the Black Players Coalition of MLS said it wasn't a protest so it was more of like Okay, like demonstration, sort a of demonstration thing. sort of thing. Yeah. So, um, of course, we stand the, with them here at ninety plus, um, and I, I, I'm honestly hoping to see more of that throughout the tournament and, and maybe throughout the rest of the regular season. Just seeing if, if maybe the the Black Players Coalition comes up with another uh, interesting showing, um, that would be nice because if, I honestly don't think the showing got as much traction as, as it deserved. Yeah, that's a good point, Sebastian. And really kind of, like I said, it's a big stage, you know, all, not all eyes, but a lot of eyes are kind of focusing on the return of the MLS, the return of like American sports in general, I guess. And uh, they had the platform and I mean, everyone saw it there. And, but like you said, there was no kind of traction. There was no kind of work done off of that. There was no momentum added and shifting on a little bit more. It just kind of happened. And I don't say people forgot about it or didn't take notice because I'm sure they did. But at the same time, I just do kind of think that it, it, it didn't kind of elevate the league. It didn't elevate people's thoughts and opinions on the league and where they it stands. And I think that the league had a good, really good chance to kind of capitalize on larger viewing numbers to kind of say, we're the MLS, this is what we stand for, this is what we don't stand for, and really kind of having a, a chance to display their sort of morals and they did to some extent, but I just kind of feel like, again, with all those eyes on this one game, I think that more either could have been done or more could have been done in the next couple of games to follow up and build on the momentum and build on the sort of support and the movement. Not that they started, but the movement within MLS, purely within the yeah. MLS bubble. There was definitely an opportunity in the following games to have more demonstrations and more showings and more sort of uh, opportunities to come out and say the things that they really would like to say and the things that they'd like people to know about the MLS and they just haven't. And this guy, I think a big part of this kind of falls back to, and I, I thought this was a bigger deal than some people were thinking of when they first announced the MLS is back tournament, no national anthems have been or will be played in this tournament. And I thought that was a big sort of step back sort of moment. Cause obviously like we said a couple of episodes ago, 
when Tim Tebow, uh, not Tim Tebow, I mean, uh, Colin Kaepernick kneeled for the uh, 49ers in the NFL a couple of years ago, you know, the whole world took notice and everyone kind of stepped back and said, oh my gosh, like, how dare he? But he gained all those eyes and he gained all those spectators and he gained all that sort of attention on the NFL saying, I don't believe that, you know, the flag stands for freedom and justice for all. And I don't believe we're getting that. And that, you know, sent shockwaves throughout the league and teams started to kneel and players and coaches and every owners and everything else, you know, locked arms and everything. So I think yeah, that the yeah. MO- and that was a few years ago. And I don't want to say the movement kind of died down, but over the, the last couple of months, especially with the George Floyd incident and really everything since then and all the demonstrations and everything since then, it's gained a lot of momentum. And I think the MOS really failed on uh, trying to convert and capitalize on this opportunity, on this momentum, on the sort of wave that everyone sort of is on right now, I guess. I think they really kind of missed their chance to really kind of grab a hold of this for their own sort of marketing per- sort of perspective as well, but as well as the fact that, you know, it's a humanitarian, not, not crisis, but obviously it's, it's a huge, huge deal. And people, you know, I've, obviously we'd like for it, if it's not, oh, Christ. Um, I'm spiraling there. Um, <laughs> obviously, we'd like for this not to be happening, but I really think that the MLS did kind of they had they they like we said they had the Inter Miami and Orlando demonstration, and they have had bits here and there. But I just think even more could be done, or more should have been done immediately following that Miami Orlando game to really kind of bolster up their kind of support for this. But that's, yeah my opinion and you know everyone's entitled to their own just want to i just want to add something to that like just before we move on to what leo usu said today but um just like the the fact that like the actual like demonstration didn't get too much traction from media as well like um you'd think considering there's been all these protests and everything including the colin kaepernick um uh part where he, that you mentioned um you'd think that like the actual demonstration would get like a lot more attention from media and it would possibly be like a bit of like breaking news, a bit of uh, like a bit of a big thing, you know, in the U S like, and we haven't seen that from news outlets in the U S or anything. We haven't seen like major league soccer um, holds demonstration for black lives matter. And it, and it sends shockwaves across the country, right? It's like, wow, like this league is really doing something to, stand up for what's right it i don't i don't really think um mls got the chance to do that and i mean it's a little bit unfortunate but um there has been a little bit of things that they've done after as well i mean there's been teams with the as you said ben with the numbers on the back and the the names on the back beg your pardon um Mm -hmm. and the messages on their back of the shirts as well um so in a sense it's unfortunate that the actual demonstration couldn't gain as much traction as it deserved. But um, on the bright side, it is great to see Major League Soccer taking these steps forward, these steps forward and uniting with uh, the black players in the league and forming the black. I mean, it was the black players in the league who formed the coalition, but it's good to see that MLS allows them to do this and it gives them a platform to not only show people what they believe in and what they believe is right, but also to send the message across and grow the movement as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's obviously a big topic to talk about, but um, we got to get a move on. You know, we got to talk about Leo Usu. So, 
Yeah. And you can you can chime in on Leo Wusu for sure. Yeah, sure thing. And again, this is a big topic, the uh, the Black Lives Matter topic, and we can go on forever and ever and you know say our support and what we think the league should do and what we think other teams and whatever else can do. But at the end of the day, we're you know two kids with a microphone and a camera uh, with a Twitter account at Ninety Plus Podcast. Uh, so really, we just kind of I don't know. These are purely just like our takes and our opinions. You know, I doubt the league is going to hear any of this, but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. But anyway, sort of moving on to Leo Owusu, uh, a player that we've seen, I think, six minutes of total in his time as a Whitecap. Obviously, the pandemic cut his uh, opening couple of weeks short. Uh, he didn't appear against the, in the Kansas City game. He came on in the 84th minute in the Galaxy game. And, I mean, for six minutes, he, you know, he, he did his part. You know, he didn't have any major impacts. He didn't, you know, mess up or anything. So he... He was just kind of, I don't know, he was there. He wanted to get his first kind of legs in with his new team. I think we would have seen a bigger impact uh, in their third game of the season, obviously before the uh, season got suspended and such. But we were able to talk with him today. And he said that he's been adjusting to life pretty well in Vancouver. And then uh, he, we, he didn't really have too much to say. We, myself and Sebastian were both pretty impressed by his English. Uh, obviously, he came over from Israel in the Israeli League. Uh, and again, just kind of, it was sort of, I don't say surprising, but we were just kind of impressed that he was, you know, very, uh, you know, very well spoken and he could understand, you know, everything that the reporters are asking him and everything. So I, I, I think, I mean, three, three months or so spending in either isolation or like a small bubble, I think he is going to, he, you know, he said he had plenty of time to settle into Vancouver with his teammates and stuff. And he said he had a good relation with Johnny Obakel. He said that those guys have really gone well since they reached Orlando and they've clicked and training and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, he didn't have too, too much to say, really just apart from he's sort of settling in well. And down in Orlando, he said the, uh, the team, it's high-intensity training, obviously. They're getting used to the heat now. They've been there uh, around a week or so, I'd say. I don't know the exact I – I think it was last Monday they arrived, and we're recording this on Monday, so – I think they have been there a week, so they're getting used to it. And the, he said the trainers are doing a really good job of kind of uh, cooling them down after practice and uh, kind of re- like getting all their nutrients in them and kind of really kind of being able to ready to perform for long periods of time in high heat and high pressure situations like this uh, tournament is. So I think yeah, he's he said that he's feeling pretty confident. The team he feels like the team's feeling pretty confident and the clicking and the connecting. So. Not too, too much coming out of Owusu, but I mean, everything that he did say sounded pretty positive. So that's a, that's a good sign for the central midfielder. And again, I think he's going to have a bit of, he's going he's gonna to have a pretty big impact on this team uh, in this tournament. I think that if DeSantos does roll with a 4-3-3 or really any sort of three central midfielders, if that's holding mid and then attacking mid or what, but I do think that he's either going to be a starter come San Jose's game or he's going to have a big impact off the bench. Yeah, just going back to the bit of uh, Owusu talking about adjusting to life in Vancouver, a big part of that has been Russell Tyber, who has really um, helped him out a lot. That's what he told us today in the press conference in terms of uh, trying to adjust to the way the Whitecaps play, the way MDS wants Owusu to play. Um the uh, the Ghanaian said that Tyrod has been a big part in trying to teach him the ways and the ropes of the midfield and how MDS wants him to play here in Vancouver. So um, it's good to see Tyrod, of course, helping out 
the boys. Um, that's something he also spoke of today, just transitioning over to what Tyra had to say to us today. It's it's something really nice to see because um, unlike maybe the Whitecaps team that we saw two years ago and maybe last year, it wasn't a very unified group. Of course, there was um, there was a lot of stuff said back in 2018 when there was a lot of, I guess, just settlement and like... In the locker room. Yeah, in the locker room, a lot of, um, I don't know what you want to call it, like maybe like disagreements and so forth. So um, it's it's something that Tyra really reiterated today. It was that the whole team has really been um, unified in trying to cope with the situation and the, the circumstances of this tournament. Um, it's something they've never had to go through. And they're all just trying to keep together, support each other, no matter if it's on the field or off the field. They're just trying to have fun and enjoy it. Um, obviously, it's a global pandemic we're talking about as well. But but Tyber really said they're, they're fighting through adversity and they just want to be able to get back on the field and um, show what they're made of. And they've all been there for each other. So it's great to see that unity in the team again. Um, it was something that Tyber highly spoke of today and we can only hope for a positive result against the San Jose Earthquakes. Yeah, it was a very kind of well-kept secret a couple of years ago in the last season or two of Carl Robinson in charge. He kind of lost the dressing room and some of the bigger players had kind of lost his trust and that sort of stuff. So it was a, it wasn't, and then I think MDS has done a really good job of kind of re, you know, unifying, I guess, the locker room saying, getting everyone back on the same page, back on the same boat, and just kind of realizing they are a team, they're in the same position together, you know, whether they like it or not, they might as well get along and, you know, have a good time and stuff. So, obviously, last season, it might have been a little bit difficult. It was for a first season in charge for MVS, especially given the uh, some of the results and the way that they finished in the standings. But I think that the second year, he's he's got a lot of confidence. He, you know, he learned – it was MVS's first year as a head coach, too, of an MLS side. So I really think that he learned a lot. He's, uh, he learned a lot about being a coach, but also just sort of a player manager and dealing with players and uh, kind of not so much the tactic side, but more the human personal connection sort of side. And I think you, we can really see a, a big difference from last year to this year, even with some of the new guys, a lot of them have clicked in straight away and they've got right into the system and they've enjoyed being in Vancouver. So like a said, and, uh, Bikel has said a couple of times before and some of the new guys and Milinkovic as well so all players that have jumped straight in and they've really enjoyed and the locker room the environment that MDS has created so um, so and then going back to the to the Russell Tybert bit again a lot of that comes from him he's the captain he's a leader he's a veteran in the side he knows uh, the for, like you know sort of the system that MDS wants to play he knows how to connect with the players too. And he's got a very good relationship with Jake Nowinski, who is the, uh, the representative for the MLSPA for the Whitecaps. And they've got a strong relationship. And I, I think Tybert is really kind of who DeSantos wants every player either to be like or sort of look up to and kind of say, here's a guy that's, you know, he, he loves his club. He's spent, you know, 11, 12 years here. He loves it here. He loves the fans. He loves everything. And, uh, so I really think that Tybert is a good kind of aim for a lot of players to be. And uh, like you said, Owusu has really felt connected to Russell Tiber, And he said that his leadership has been a big part of him sort of 
getting match ready, getting fit, getting, you know, excited to play. Because it's hard for a lot of players, you know, their families are back in Vancouver or wherever else. And they're traveling to a state in uh, America where, you know, the COVID cases are rising every day and it's scary and they look for a leader and MDS, he can't always be there. And Russell Tiber is going to have to be that guy. And he really, really has, from what we've seen and what we've heard, he really has been that guy to every single player on the roster. So hats off to him for really sort of being the leader that MDS has been looking for and the other players have been looking for as well. But uh, in terms of actually sort of what he spoke about today, he would kind of talk more about sort of life in an everyday sort of day down in Orlando in the bubble. He said, you know, trade, they're trying to stick to like a West Coast sort of sleeping schedule. So, you know, they're waking up at about 10.45 each day, which is like 7.45 here in obviously Vancouver. So they are trying to stick to the West Coast schedule as much as possible. And they're saying that, like, you know, later lunches, later dinners, training sessions at about six in the afternoon that sort of stuff so he did say that it, you know gets a little bit slow at times he says he's uh you know he's very busy on the harmonica as he made a couple of times made a few jokes so maybe we'll see some videos coming out over twitter or something but yeah i think he just kind of said the average day is kind of it was a little slow but i mean what you know can you do yeah yeah of course and i guess transitioning over to what mds said um about the unity as well as this team. It wasn't only Russell Tyber that spoke about the unity of this team today. It was also MDS and saying how the team was really adjusted well to, to life in Orlando. Of course, as Ben said, it's difficult for, for the players with families, especially um, to go to a COVID, a COVID like, I don't, like infected, infected, yes. yeah. infected state, basically. There's so many cases down in Florida. Um, so it must be scary for families to know that um, their, their I, I mean, father or, or, um, or husband or boyfriend, whatever you want to call it, of course, is, is like on this trip in Orlando. So it's worrying, but MDS stressed again today. I mean, the players have always been unified and, they're there supporting each other. And you really get the sense of the fact that this Whitecaps team is very unified. I mean, I don't – I like when I look at other teams that have played so far um, in this tournament, I, of course we haven't seen the Whitecaps play, but other than the Columbus crew really, um, there hasn't been like a team that really you can say and, and, Stands and out. say like, okay, that team is – is unified like you can see they they like they put a 90 minute performance up and they 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 like they completely showed what they can do despite the four months without action um so i think i really do th- i really have high hopes for this whitecaps team in this tournament um as long as the whitecaps can i guess show what they're about um and really solidify that midfield three deal with the uh, the strikers they're missing, of course, and try and adjust Jordy Reyna to that role up top as a false number nine. Um, I think they got a good tournament ahead for themselves, and um, that's something that MDS spoke of as well today, the fact that Jordy Reyna will have to play uh, false nine, possibly. It's, it's a system he's played before. He last played it on April 27th uh, of last year against Philadelphia Union. Uh, that was a 1-1 draw, um, and 
he created a lot of chances from open play in that game. They, he really um, excelled getting in behind. Um, it's almost like a free role that he had in that game. He was able to drift out wide as well. So it's almost like I guess we're I guess we're gonna end up calling the the false nine role is the Roberto Firmino role because he's been doing a job for Liverpool, um, of course. So we we might see something like that. Of course, we're not in the Premier League. It's not going to be exactly like Liverpool, but we'll probably get a glimpse of that from Jordi Reyna. And we'll see if he can combine well with um, Dahomey and Milinkovic uh, out wide, the two likely starters out wide, I'd say, for the Whitecaps right now. Dahomey did say he was combining well with Reyna as well. Uh, and M-Bomb, so we could see the that trio maybe come up with some magic in this tournament. Um, but just moving on, I guess, from that, do do we want to get into the lineup now? or? Uh, we'll quickly, we'll quick, I'm just going to quickly add a note or two about Tybert and NDS. So yeah. I do agree with you. I have I do have high hopes for the Whitecaps in this tournament. I think this sort of very short and compact sort of schedule really benefits them, maybe more than other teams, because, I mean, San Jose and Seattle, been out to you know a very exciting zero zero draw and one that you know a lot of people thought that might you know Seattle might walk away comfortably winning that game. San Jose put on a very very strong performance and that game ended up in a zero zero tie. And uh, we talked to Russell Tiber and we I asked him to him what's going to be a success. Hey, at what point is he going to say this was a, a good to- tournament for him? And he said really the nine points in the group stage are up for grabs if they can just grab as many of those as possible. That's how he's going to view this tournament as a success or not. And I really think, especially coming out of the gates, they, you know, if they beat, say they beat San Jose, you know, they go first place in the group for a little while and before the San Jose, uh, before the Seattle and Chicago game. So I really do think that there's a strong opportunity here for the Whitecaps to say they beat San Jose and they fluke out a draw against, say, Seattle. All of a sudden, that Chicago game, they might already be through depending on the other standings and such, such, but. I really do think that this short three games, bam, 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 it really kind of benefits the Whitecaps more than sort of the big teams like Seattle, Columbus, Toronto, LAFC. I think it really kind of works in their favor more than those, some of the other oppositions. So Tybert did say those nine points, really, that's their main sort of focus, at least start. And then obviously they make the group stage. If they make a bit of a run, obviously they're not going to say no. They're not going to turn the opportunity down. But he said right now their focus is those three group stage games. And similar uh, thing MDS said, he said that really they're not looking at anything. At least he isn't looking at anything past San Jose on the 15th. He said that it's a waste of time looking at Seattle and Chicago when that's not even their next opponent. But he said everything in his mind right now is focusing on San Jose, preparing for San Jose, thinking about lineups for San Jose. And he said once he's out of that game, he's going to think about how the lineup's going to look for Seattle, how his team is going to play against Seattle, how they're going to change their formation against Seattle. He said it's not going to be anything like Chicago or groups or the knockout stages. He said whichever opponent's next, that's their focus. And he's really drilling that into his players, saying doesn't he doesn't care about Seattle, he doesn't care about Chicago. All eyes and all focus should be San Jose. And I really like, admire that about him. That's a good mentality. It's strong. It's direct. And it doesn't get the players thinking too big or too wide. It's very narrow to the point, 90 minutes against one team, then they'll worry about what's next. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And the reality is if – I mean, we're recording this on Monday, but if uh, Seattle and Chicago draw tomorrow, um, which is on a Tuesday, uh, the 14th of July, um, 
then if they if if those two teams draw, then the Whitecaps with a win would go top, having played only one game. So that would set them up really well if Chicago and Seattle say draw, even two two, like not even a zero zero. I mean a zero zero would be great, but if if those two teams draw two two or one one or something like that, um, it would benefit the Whitecaps so much because, I mean. Not only are they set, they they want to win this game, but it just builds that confidence up even more in the players. They just really want to go out and win this game because they know they'd only be playing one game when Seattle have already played two, and they would only get two points out of that out of their first two games. So they could easily go top. That would be a big advantage for them. Um, it all depends, of course, on the result tomorrow. But um, no matter if. Um, the teams don't draw if Chicago loses, if Seattle loses, whatever the outcome, the Whitecaps will 100% be out there trying to win the game against the Earthquakes. And we saw a bit of what the Earthquakes are made of. Of course, it was quite surprising to see them draw no no against the Seattle Sounders the other day. But um, at the end of the day, we're, we're just hoping the Whitecaps can get a result and try and hold that, I guess, midfield as best as possible. We did see a little bit of counterattacking from San Jose in that game they they are they're really a team that likes to stay closed in and bundled up in their own half a little bit um and also re- release Vaco uh, on the counter and of course you also have Chris Wondolowski poaching in the box so it's it's going to be a tough game nonetheless but the Whitecaps will just have to stay steady and hope they can conjure up the better chances in the game and not get him on the counter as much yeah, so before that San Jose game, do you do you want to start us off with your lineup predictions, or should I take the rain on this one? Oh, uh, I think you can go first, host. Let's start right, with you. We'll, <laughs> all right, we'll go with a. Uh, I think so. I'm going to say four three three with a uh, three with three center mids all lined up even, and a uh, false nine with Reina. But we'll get to that. Uh, Cripo and Net that should be probably the biggest no brainer on this one. Uh, Ali Adnan at left back. And then across the back, I'm going to go Veselinovic. And I don't like saying this, but Yasser Kamiri. <laughs> we know I'm you like, don't like saying yeah, that. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's no secret that I'm not the biggest fan of Kamiri. But I just think MDS does prefer him to Cornelius. We saw that because he got the nod in the Galaxy game. Uh, and then they both lined up beside each other for the SKC game earlier this year. But I don't know. I just think that there's something about him that he, this is a good chance for him to prove himself. So I think that he's really going to go out there and, I guess, you know, do what he can to solidify a spot before Andy Rose comes back uh, after this tournament and stuff. So he wants to impress as much as he can. So I'm going to say Kamiri and Veselinovic. And then Jake Nowinski at right back. I know you like Bikel, and he had a very good performance against the, uh, the Galaxy. But I just think that uh, MDS wants familiarity. He doesn't want to be taking risks. He wants to know what his, he's getting from his players and how they've acted in game situations, especially in like a white cap sort of situation and a roster and a formation that MDS likes to play. And I think that is like 85% Jake Nowinski. And I think that uh, Bikel, he's a very strong player and I'm sure he's going to be coming off the bench probably for Nowinski or somewhere as like a holding midfield spot. But I'm, I think Nowinski is going to get the start. Uh, and then Imbom and Tiber and Owusu, the three center mids, lined up across the middle. Nothing you can really say about that. I think 
Uh, no one should really be starting over those three in the middle. I think Bakel has a shout if they're going for a bit of a holding midfielder. But again, we've seen Owusu and Tybert both play in those sort of positions. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's those three in the middle. And then up front uh, with a false nine, Reyna in the middle with uh, Dahomey and Milinkovic. I think we're going to see this a lot this season once we get to some sort of regular season again. So, uh, yeah, so I just think Rain in the middle, it's well, you know, been well noted that we're going for a false nine and Reyna fits that bill better than anyone. So, and like you said, Bobby Firmino sort of role. And they're sort of similar playing styles and, you know, size and, you know, their skills and weaknesses and stuff. They kind of match up similarly. Obviously, Firmino is a bit higher in quality. We would love to have Firmino in the white caps. But yeah, for, sure. for now, I'm pretty happy with Reyna at that center forward. So, yeah, so that's how, in my books, if I'm MDS, that's how I'm lining my team up for this Wednesday game. All right, so I guess I'll just uh, dive right in and uh, give you guys my lineup prediction. So, um, of course, as, as Ben said, this is a no-brainer. Max Capone goal. I mean, you can't argue with that. Um, he's been great for the Caps ever since he he was signed last year from Montreal Impact. Um, on the left, I'm going to go with Ali Adnan, of course. Um, we're hoping he continues that form that he showed in preseason and uh, – in the LA Galaxy game where he really ventured forward and he, he got a lot of assists in preseason. I think it was two or three in total. I might be mistaken on that one, but um, he's been bombarding down that left side as we know. Um, and hopefully he can continue that, that form that he showed in preseason. And he also assisted the one goal uh, in the Galaxy game as well. So hopefully he can continue that. Um and my center back duo is going to be um, Ranko. I'm going to go with Veselinovic. Um MDS said he's been very good in training. He hasn't looked a, a step down or anything. It ha- he hasn't taken a while. Like, he hasn't taken time to adjust, really. Like, he's just mm-hmm. slotted right in and fitted right in with the team. He MDS has even gone out and said he doesn't even look like 20. Like, he plays like, he plays like a veteran. So, um, I think Veselinovic gets his first start as a white cap. Um, and I, I don't know, I don't know about the other center back. I think it'll definitely be someone, um, it'll be definitely between Cornelius and Kamiri. Not a pick right now. Three, two, uh, one. I think I'm going to say Kamiri. I just have the feeling that MDS is going to pick Kamiri. Um, it's a big game for him. Of course he did help keep the clean sheet against the galaxy. He had a good performance there. Um, alongside Andy Rose, but I think he, I think MDS is going to go with Kamiri again. As for right back, I'm going to go with I, I'm going to go with Bikel on this one. Um, I, I was able to to get a glimpse of a little intra squad match um, that the Whitecaps held on the ninth, so um, I I did get to see Bikel provide an assist to Dahomey in that one. Um, so I, I think I'm going to go with Bikel because mainly Nerwinski did show it in the SKC game. He got forward and, and actually scored a goal in that game, but I feel like Bikel is just going to give that little bit more of attacking threat going forward. Um, and, of course, he locked down Christian Pavon in the Galaxy game. Like, Pavon was invincible in that game. So I'm, I'm going to go with Bikel um, just because of the fact that I feel like he's been sharper in training. I could be mistaken, but that's uh, that's the sense that I get. Um, so I'm going to go with Bikel there. And then the midfield trio is 
obviously going to be Mbom, Awusu, and Tyrer. Um, I'm really excited to see what Awusu can do um, in his full 90 minutes, possibly. Um, we'll see how long he lasts out there. But um, the idea that we've gotten from Awusu is that he's very similar to the way Gadi Kinda plays for SKC in a way. Um, they both came from the Israeli league, but it's they're both very similar players. So I'm very excited to see what he does going forward as well, um, and and hopefully just see the the same regular um, stuff we see from Mbom and and Tybert. Uh, as for the front three, I'm gonna go with the same um, as Ben said. The the trio of Milinkovic, Reyna, and Dahomey up top. Um, we know what Milinkovic can do. He's shown flashes earlier on in the season of his play. Um, and his, he loves to take players on in 1v1s. Um, so we already know what he can do. The question is what Christian Dahomey can do. I think that's the big question going into this tournament, whether Christian Dahomey can really live up to that standard and provide for the Whitecaps going forward, maybe assisting um, with crosses, um, with low balls into the area as well. We might see him probably poach into the box a little bit more with Reina drifting out wide as well. So um, it'll be interesting for sure to see what Dahomey comes up with. And um, judging by the looks of Reina from previous games where he's played the false nine role, um, I'm, I'm positive the Whitecaps can conjure up enough chances going forward. So, um yeah, that's my lineup prediction. You're uh, positive. Wow, that's confidence and stuff. I, I, I'm confident, bro. I, I honestly yeah, think the Whitecaps are going to surprise some people in this tournament. I like the way you think. I'm thinking the same sort of thing. And obviously that tournament kicks off July 15th, so that's going to be this Wednesday, so a couple of days' time. Uh, that's They changed the time on that, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, to 6 yes. p.m. Pacific. Yeah, so be sure to, you know, I think before it was 7.30, so hour and a half earlier, so make sure that you've got your TVs on for that. Uh, again, in the coverage we're going to be providing, we're going to have a quick look at the roster before kickoff, uh, and that's going to be up on just purely just on our Twitter, at 90 Plus Podcast. Uh, and then from there, you'll be able to kind of see the content and the stuff, the what we're going to be providing for you guys uh, between podcasts and little sound clips here or there and our writings for individual websites and stuff. So everything that me and Sebastian will be doing for this MLS's back tournament will come through. You'll be able to access it at some way or another through the Twitter account at 90 plus podcast. So go give that a follow if you haven't already. And anything you want to say before we wrap this one up and we head into game one of this tournament, Sebastian. Uh, just, just a little thing that I wanted to put out there. Uh, of course, um, it, we're, we're both really excited to, to get back into the thick of things and get into press conferences with the players, with MDS. It's all super exciting for it to just look a little bit more normal in a way. Of course, it's through Zoom. Um, and of course we can't be there in person and this tournament has to go down in Orlando, but, um, it's, it's really exciting times for, for Ben, and myself and I guess the whole Whitecaps um, media community because we're able to finally talk about some real games, talk about some tactics, talk about um, how players are doing um, and so forth. So it's, it's great. It's a great time for us, of course. And, uh, and yeah, I just, I just, um, I just, 
like with my mess my message to the fans is of course just check out our work we'll be posting articles as ben said for our independent um websites that we work for um so definitely check those out uh i know on my end um i'm going to be having like a three three things we learned from the white caps versus san jose game so i'll be coming out with that probably um wednesday night after the game but you'll definitely be able to access that on thursday so make sure to check those out and i just wanted to give a little shout out as well to uh our fellow uh young white caps media groups uh bts fan city and bg media who have um come up with a lot of great exciting content for the fans as well they've been great um with a lot of the 1v1 stuff they've been doing and uh, all the articles they've been putting out as well so just a huge credit to them for um, just providing for the fans and bringing out some great content and just wanted to put that out there. And, and yeah, just we're, we're hoping the San Jose game goes well and we have some positive things to reflect on after the game. So uh, make sure to tune in. That will be at 6 p.m. Pacific, as we said earlier, on TSN. Um, so, yeah, uh, we'll check in with you guys after the game uh, on Thursday. Yeah, and good point, Sebastian. Just before we do end this one here, the uh, B&G Media and the BTS Fan City, those guys have been doing some great work. They've had some players on. They had Theo Bear a couple of days ago. They had uh, Sebastian actually did a collaboration with them for Christian Dahomey, and I'm very proud of my co-host over here. <laughs> Making a, big, a, bit, a bigger splash than uh, some out here in the community. Hey, so, hey yeah, this, Ben Rigetti's, uh intern with TSN 1040, if you didn't know. That's your fun fact yeah. for today, so I'm proud yeah. of my guy too. Actually, we'll give it another fun fact. I cut my thumb about a minute before we started recording, <laughs> and I'm sitting in a bed with white sheets, and it's been absolutely everywhere. So for those of you that are still – listening you just know that you know. that's how much effort he puts in <laughs> he, he drops blood for this podcast you know exactly it. blood sweat and tears buddy all we're needing is the tears and sebastian's a heartbreaker man so we'll oh yeah this, i'm sure hey if the white so, caps don't win this tournament you know i'll be crying gonna... <laughs> <laughs> so i think that's just about gonna wrap up episode 11 here like we said our twitters are at rigetti ben and at sebastian p74 the podcast at 90 plus podcast lots of stuff going to be coming through there over the next couple of weeks during this tournament and uh yeah we will be on there just before the san jose game for our pre and post game reactions and then before we hop into a another sort of in-depth more podcast after that game but you guys will be able to see that on soundcloud and on spotify uh but until then we're just going to be you know watching the games enjoying it and just kind of being happy that mls is back so we'll see you guys on episode 12